ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So the chapter regarding Al-Adhkaru Ba'd As-Salam The supplications that are done after the final taslim After you finish the prayer now As-Salamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah As-Salamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah You finish the prayer Now what are the supplications, the du'as, the remembrance that you are supposed to do, that is the section we are on. الحديث هنا سيكون عن الأذكار التي يقولها المسلم إذا صرف من صلاته بعد السلام وقد جاء في هذا أحاديث عديدة So here we're going to talk about the supplications that are done after the prayer And there are many ahadith regarding that. Minha ma rawahu muslimun fi sahihi an thawban radiyallahu anhu qal. One of those narrations about the supplications to be done after the prayer is the hadith collected by Muslim from ثوبان رضي الله عنه who said كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا انصرف من صلاته استغفر ثلاثا he said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم when he would depart from his prayer meaning when he finished his prayer then he would seek forgiveness from Allah three times. Meaning he would say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. And then he would say, وَقَالْ Allahumma أَنْتَ السَّلَامُ وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ تَبَارَكْتَ ذَا الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ That is the dua that is mentioned in this initial narration. قَالَ الْوَلِيدُ أَحَدُ رُوَاتِ الْحَدِيثِ One of the narrators of this hadith mentioned, فَقُلْتُ لِلْأَوْزَاعِ I said to الْأَوْزَاعِ كَيْفَ الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ How is this seeking of forgiveness done? قَالْ تَقُولْ He said, you say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. So here, in this narration of Muslim, it tells us what the Prophet wasallam used to say after finishing the prayer, giving the final salam. He would seek forgiveness three times. He would say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. 
Astaghfirullah. And then he would say, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta dhal jalali wal ikram. The meaning of that, Allahumma anta salam, or Allah, you are as salam. As salam ismun min asma illahil husna. As salam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the names from the beautiful and perfect names of Allah. Allati amarana Allahu bidu'aihi biha. This is one of the names from the perfect and beautiful names of Allah that Allah commanded us to call upon Him with in the statement of Allah or the ayah, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the most perfect and beautiful of names, so call upon him with them. وَمَعْنَاهُ And the meaning of that is, أي الْمُنَزَّهِ عَنْ كُلِّ عَيْبٍ وَآفَةٍ وَنَقْصٍ The meaning of Allah's names being الْحُسْنَى وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى The meaning of Allah's names being الْحُسْنَى is that they are free of any type of deficiency, any type of shortcoming, any type of negative meaning. They are free of all of that. That is the meaning of Allah's names being الْحُسْنَى that they are at the pinnacle and peak of perfection. No weakness or shortcoming or deficiency in them whatsoever. They are al-husna. وَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ مُنَزَّهٌ عَنْ كُلِّ مَا يُنَافِ صِفَاتِكَ مَالِهِ And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of anything that negates or opposes or contradicts the perfection of his attributes. وَمُنَزَّهٌ عَنْ مُمَاثَلَةِ أَحَدٍ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ And Allah is free of any type of resemblance or comparison or similitude to anything in his creation. أَوْ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ نِدٌ بِوَجْهٍ مِنَ الْوُجُوهِ And Allah is free from having any type of equal or partner from any angle, any type whatsoever. That is, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى And you can get more explanation of that in a very useful and beneficial book of a Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, رحمه الله تعالى, القواعد المثلى, the exemplary principles, القواعد المثلى, where it talks about the principles regarding the names and attributes of Allah, the principles 
regarding them, how to understand them, what is befitting of Allah, what is not befitting of Allah, what the names mean, how to derive the names, all types of principles regarding the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-qawaid al-muthla. A famous book and they teach it often, the scholars, and it's available in English as well, it's been translated, published by Troy, I think, translated by Ustad uh, Musa Richardson. Yes, by Troy. Hmm. So that is a very beneficial book, very beneficial book if you want to understand the principles of the names and attributes. But it is slightly complicated and it does require careful reading and in reality it requires a teacher. That type of book is not a casual reading book. It is not a book that you read casually just here and there. It is a proper book. You need to understand carefully all of the principles, all of the chapters in detail. So that is something which would be beneficial to follow through and listen to one of the scholars giving the explanation of it or one of the teachers explaining it. That is very beneficial to understand the names and attributes of Allah. وَقَوْلُهُ وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ أي أَنَّ السَّلَامَ مِنَ الْمَهَالِكِ إِنَّمَا تُرْجَى وَتُسْتَوْهَبْ مِنْكَ وَحْدَكِ So Allahumma أَنْتَ السَّلَامُ Oh Allah, you are السَّلَامُ One of the names of Allah. Like you hear, عَبْدُ السَّلَامُ As-salam is one of the names of Allah. But then, وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ Allahumma anta salam وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ Meaning that safety comes from you. You are the one that we seek and hope for the salama, for that safety and security. You are the one that we hope for that from. وَلَا تُرْجَى مِنْ أَحَدٍ سِوَاكَ And it cannot be sought or desired or hoped for from anyone else. Allah is as-salam and from Allah that safety is sought. وَهَذَا مُسْتَفَادْ مِنْ أُسْلُوبِ الْحَصْرِ فِي قَوْلِهِ مِنْكَ السَّلَامِ you notice the way that it is phrased. Allahumma anta salam wa minka as-salam. You could say, wa salamu minka. But it is, wa minka as-salamu. By putting the jar majroor first, wa minka as-salamu, it indicates in Arabic grammar a type of restriction that you are restricting this affair, that only from you is that safety, O Allah, not from anyone else. By phrasing it in this way, in Arabic, it indicates, it indicates a type of restriction. From you alone we hope for that safety. And then, تَبَارَكْتَ ذَا الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Tabarakta meaning ta'alayta wa ta'azamta. Tabarakta that you are the greatest 
You are the most high and the greatest. Ta'alayta wa ta'adhamta. Tabarakta. Tabarakta dhal jalali wal ikram. That you are the most high and the greatest. The one who possesses the majesty and all of that nobility. Ay sahibul jalal wal ikram. وَهُمَا وَصْفَانِ عَظِيمَانِ لِلْرَبِّ سُبْحَانَهُ دَالَّانِ عَلَى كَمَالِ عَظَمَتِهِ وَكِبَرِيَائِهِ وَمَجْدِهِ This indicates the greatness of Allah, ذَا الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ That Allah is the one with that might and majesty. Allah is the one with that great might and majesty and He is the one who deserves to be extolled. That is what is indicated by Jalal wal ikram Allah is the one of Al-Jalal and Al-Ikram. That might and majesty and greatness and nobility. And that He is the one who deserves to be extolled and praised. وَعَلَى كَثْرَةِ صِفَاتِهِ الْجَلِيلَةِ وَتَعَدُّدِ عَطَايَاهُ الْجَمِيلَةِ مِمَّا يُسْتَوْجِبُ يَسْتَوْجِبُ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ أَن تَمْتَلِئَ قُلُوبُهُمْ مَحَبَّةً وَتَعْظِيمًا وَإِجْلَالًا And upon the great number of magnificent attributes Allah has, and upon the great amount of beautiful things and great affairs Allah has given us, it all necessitates from us that our hearts be filled with love and exhalation and uh, uh, reverence for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a recognition of the greatness of Allah in our hearts. وَالْحِكْمَةُ مِنَ الْإِتْيَانِ بِالْإِسْتِغْفَارِ بَعْدَ الصَّلَةِ So, we see here that the messenger after completing the prayer, the first thing he would do was Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Seeking forgiveness. Why? Why would that be the first thing the messenger did? Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. When you've just prayed. You've just prayed, you've done a great act of worship. Why are you seeking forgiveness straight away after it? Why would that be the first thing after? The Shaykh mentions here, the wisdom behind that, Al-Hikmatu min al-Ityani bil-Istighfari ba'da salah, hiya idharu hadmin nafs, wa anna al-abd lam yaqum bi-haqq salah it is a recognition of your lowliness that as much as you have tried you may not have fulfilled the full right of the prayer so it is almost to to recognize the smallness of yourself you've done this act of worship but you recognize your shortcomings and you may not have fulfilled the full rights of that prayer وَلَمْ يَأْتِ بِمَا يَنْبَغِي لَهَا عَلَى التَّمَامِ وَالْكَمَالِ And that a person may not have done everything that is befitting and required to fully 
respect and fulfill the rights of the prayer. بَلْ لَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَكُونَ قَدْ وَقَعَ فِي شَيْءٍ مِّنَ النَّقْصِ وَالتَّقْصِيرِ Rather, what is expected is that a person will no doubt have fallen into some shortcoming and some deficiency. وَالْمُقَصِّرُ يَسْتَغْفِرُ لَعَلَّهُ أَنْ يُتَجَاوَزَ عَنْ تَقْصِيرِهِ And so a person who recognizes that he has shortcoming, he seeks forgiveness from Allah for that shortcoming. Seeks forgiveness from Allah for his shortcomings. And perhaps that may be a cause for Allah to forgive him and to pardon him for his shortcomings. وَيَكُونُ فِي اسْتِغْثَارِهِ جَبْرٌ لِمَا فِيهِ مِن نَقْصٍ أَوْ تَقْصِيرٍ And so by seeking forgiveness, it compensates for any shortcomings and any deficiencies that you may have fallen into during your prayer. ثُمَّ يَشْتَغِلُ الْمُصَلِّي بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ بِالتَّهْلِيلِ Then what does a person do after that? After saying, Astaghfirullah, 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 Allahumma anta salam, minka salam, tabarakta, dal jalali wal ikram. What does a person say next? It mentions here, after that, you preoccupy yourself with at-tahleel. That is the saying of La ilaha illallah, as you will see in this narration coming up. So it is mentioned, عن وراد مولى المغيرة بن شعبة قال كتب المغيرة إلى معاوية بن أبي سفيان أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان إذا فرغ من الصلاة وسلم قال that when the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم used to finish from the prayer and give the final salam he would say لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم لا مانع لما أعطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجد This particular hadith is in al-Bukhari and Muslim that the messenger would say this dua, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah, lahu al-mulku wa lahu al-hamdu wa ala kulli shayin qadir, Allahumma la mani'a lima a'atayt, wa la mu'atiya lima mana'at, wa la yanfa'u dha al-jaddi minka al-jadd. So in this dua, that there is no deity worthy of worship and truth, Accept Allah alone without any partners. To Him belongs all the dominion. To Him is all of the praise upon everything. He is all capable upon everything. O oh Allah, there is no one who can prevent what you give and no one can give what you prevent. And no one can uh, exert any power or might uh, over and above you. And there is another similar narration عن عبد الله بن الزبير رضي الله عنهما أنه كان يقول في دبر كل صلاة حين يسلم 
That the Prophet sallallahu used to say at the end of each prayer after giving the salam, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah. Lahu al-mulku wa lahu al-hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. La ilaha illallah. Wa la na'budu illa iyyah. Lahu al-ni'matu wa lahu al-fadhu wa lahu al-thana'u al-hasan. La ilaha illallah. Mukhlisina lahu al-deena wa law kariha al-kafirun. وَقَالَ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ يَهَلِّلُ بِهِنَّ دُبَرَ كُلِّ صَلَاءٍ So this is another dua that the messenger used to say, that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, He alone without any partners. To Him belongs the dominion and all praise, and He is all capable upon everything. There is no might, no power and ability to do anything except by Allah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and we do not worship except Him. To Him belongs all the blessing and virtue and favor and praise, goodness of praise. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, and we are sincere in religion to Him, even if the disbelievers dislike or hate that. And it's mentioned the messenger used to recite that after the prayer also. So what does it mean in that narration? وَلَا يَنْفَعُ ذَا الْجَدِّ مِنْكَ الْجَدِّ أَيْ لَا يَنْفَعُ صَاحِبُ الْغِنَى مِنْكَ غِنَاهُ وَإِنَّمَا يَنْفَعُهُ طَاعَتُهُ لَكَ وَإِيمَانُهُ بِكَ وَامْتِثَالُهُ لِأَمْرِكَ That even if a person has might and power and wealth, that will not suffice him anything with Allah. لا ينفع ذا الجدي The one who has that honor and, and wealth and ability. That cannot suffice him anything with regards to Allah. The only thing that will help him and suffice him with regards to Allah is his obedience to Allah and his iman in Allah. And also the statement La ilaha illallah mukhlisina lahu ad-deena wa law karihal al-kafirun that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth we are sincere to him even if the disbelievers hate that a meaning nahnu ala hadha at-tawhid wal-ikhlas wa law karihal kuffar that we are upon this tawhid Upon this monotheism and upon this sincerity, even if the disbelievers hate that. ثُمَّ يَشْرَعُ الْمُسْلِمُ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فِي التَّسْبِيحَاتِ الْوَارِدَةِ الَّتِي كَانَ يَقُولُهَا صَلَى الْعِسَلَّمْ أَدْبَارَ الصَّلَوَاتِ So after you've read those supplications, then you can get on to the, the, the tasbihat, uh, when you say 33 times, etc., then you can get on to those after that. And that is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu an Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Man sabbahallaha fi duburi kulli salatin thalafan wa thalafina. Wa hamidallaha thalafan wa thalafina. 
وَكَبَّرَ اللَّهَ ثَلَاثًا وَثَلَاثِينَ فَتِلْكَ تِسْعَةٌ وَتِسْعُونَ وَقَالَ تَمَامَ الْمِئَةِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ غُفِرَتْ خَطَايَاهُ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ مِثْلَ زَبَدِ الْبَحْرِ Ümmüs hadîfe ve bu Hureyre radıyallahu anhu he mentions that the messenger of Allah sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem said whomsoever at the end of the prayer says subhanallah 33 times and then alhamdulillah 33 times and then allahu akbar 33 times And that is 99 in total. Then for number 100, his 100th statement is La ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulku wa lahulhamdu wa ala kulli shayin qadir. Then all of his sins will be forgiven even if they are like the form the, on top of the sea. The, the form that you see on top of the sea. And also from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu it is mentioned Jaa al-fuqara'u ila al-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqalu that the poor people the poor people at the time of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they came to the messenger and they had kind of like a a complaint uh, kind of like something they were upset about they wanted some answer from the messenger about the poor people they came and they said to the messenger ذهب اهل الدثور بالاجور او اهل الدثور من الاموال بالدرجات العلا والنعيم المقيم this is a version uh, from al bukhari and muslim They said the people who are rich, Ahlul Duthur, min al-amwal, the people who are rich, بالدرجات العلا والنعيم المقيم, that those rich people, they are getting, they are taking all of the high levels of reward. The rich people are taking all of the high levels of reward and the everlasting bliss and blessings Why did they say that to the messenger? They explained. They said, يُصَلُّونَ كَمَا نُصَلِّي Those rich people, the rich Muslims, they pray just like we pray, us poor ones. They pray, we can pray too, we pray. يَسُومُونَ كَمَا نَسُومُ They fast and we can fast. The poor Muslims, we can fast as well, like they fast. But... وَلَهُمْ فَضْلٌ مِنْ أَمْوَالٍ يَحُجُّونَ بِهَا وَيَعْتَمِرُونَ وَيُجَاهِدُونَ وَيَتَصَدَّقُونَ But they have extra money and wealth which they can use to go and do hajj which we don't have, we can't. They have extra money and wealth. They can go and do Umrah. They can travel and go and do Umrah, which we can't. 
They have that extra money which they can use and prepare themselves and go and do jihad or give that for the purpose of jihad and we don't have anything to give. And they have that extra money that they can give in charity generally and we don't have that extra money to give in charity. So they were saying, prayer and fasting, we can do that just like they can do it. But then they can do all of these other extra acts of worship because they have wealth. And we can't do these extra acts of worship. We don't have the wealth. So they were saying the rich people are taking all the reward. In one narration, the rich people are taking all the reward because they're doing all these extra acts of worship which we can't do. We don't have the money to do them. So then the Prophet... Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained to them. Ala uhadithukum bi amrin in akhadtum bihi adraktum man sabakakum walam yudrikum ahadum ba'dakum. The messenger said, Shall I not tell you about an affair? But if you do it, then you will catch up to the same. Rewards as those who preceded you, and nobody will go beyond you after that. And you will be the best of what you can be between them, between those people. Except for the ones who do the likes of that too. You'll be better than everyone except all those others who do the same as you. Then they'll be the same as you as well. What are these actions you can do? تُسَبِّحُونَ وَتَحْمَدُونَ وَتُكَبِّرُونَ خَلْفَ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ ثَلَاثًا وَثَلَاثٍ That at the end of each prayer, say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, 33 times each. Do that and you will be like the same rewards as the rich people doing all these other actions as well. So that indicates the great virtue of this supplication at the end of the prayer and that a person should not hasten and miss these things. Uh, And the scholars, they speak about this. The scholars, you hear them, they mention these things. And they say, why is it that the Salafi MashaAllah, Salafi. Why is it that the Salafi, the one who is upon the guidance, Allah has guided him to the Qur'an and the Sunnah, whereas some of the people, Masakin out there, they don't know the evidences and they don't know the correct methodology, they don't know the correct way. But the Salafiyun, whom Allah has guided to that straight path, guided them to knowledge, guided them to understanding, guided them to the scholars. Why is it that the Salafi finishes his prayer, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum, and he's gone. Gone. No adhkar, no nothing, can't sit there and do his 33. Why is it that the Salafi is weak in these affairs? That should not be the case. As the scholars, they say, the Salafi shouldn't think that he's better than others upon knowledge alone. It's not your knowledge, just your knowledge. But it is the 
implementation and practice of that knowledge. The Salafi leads the way upon knowledge and upon action. It shouldn't be that the Tablighi or the Sufi finishes his prayer and then sits there for half an hour doing adhkar. Some of them innovated adhkar as well. But he sits there for half an hour doing adhkar. And the Salafi gives salam and runs away straight away. That should not be the way. The Salafi should be the one leading in ibadah as well. It's not just that you say, we've learnt the knowledge and we've learnt the hadith and we understand the evidences and names and attributes, we understand the knowledge. But then where is the practice? The practice needs to be there and the implementation needs to be there. I've heard the scholars say, the Salafi should not be behind the people of desires when it comes to worship. They shouldn't be ahead of him. They shouldn't be sitting there after every prayer doing adhkar, even if they are upon misguidance on some of their adhkar and bid'ah on what they do. But they sit there doing adhkar and the Salafi never sits after his prayer to do adhkar. They said it should not be the case. I've heard with my own ears some of the scholars say it should not be the case that the people of misguidance are going ahead of you in ibadah. The Salafi upon knowledge and ibadah. So here... It mentions 33 times, do those, the subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Qala Abu Salih, the narrator of this hadith, Abu Salih, who narrated it from Abu Huraira, he said, Yaqulu, meaning you say, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Hatta yakuna minhunna kulluhunna thalafan wa thalafa. Until you have done from all of them the three and the three, thirty-three of all of those. لكن هذا فهم منه للحديث والأظهر أن المجموع لكل كلمة من هؤلاء الكلمات بأن يسبح ثلاثا وثلاثين ويحمد ثلاثا وثلاثين ويكبر ثلاثا وثلاثين كما في حديث أبي هريرة السابق. So in this narration, حتى يكون منهن كلهن ثلاثا وثلاثا. Three and three, it could be understood that he means only three times each one of them. But the other narration is clear that it is 33 for each one. 33 subhanallah, 33 alhamdulillah, 33 Allahu Akbar. In the hadith of Abdullah ibn, or Abdullah ibn Amr, radiallahu anhu, he said, وعنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خصلتان أو خلتان لا يحافظ عليهما عليهما عبد مسلم إلا دخل الجنة. Two characteristics a Muslim does not guard over them except that he will enter paradise. هما يسير ومن يعمل بها بهما قليل. Even though they are very simple, the messenger said there are very few people who do it. هُمَا يَسِيرٌ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلُوا بِهِمَا قَلِيلٌ They are so easy to do these two simple things, and yet very few people do them. What are they? يُسَبِّحُ فِي دُبُورِ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ عَشْرًا وَيَحْمَدُ عَشْرًا وَيُكَبِّرُ عَشْرًا But at the end of each prayer, you say, Subhanallah, ten times. And Alhamdulillah, ten times. And Allahu Akbar, ten times. فَذَلِكَ خَمْسُونَ وَمِئَةٍ بِاللِّسَانِ 
then that will be uh, 150 150 supplications upon the tongue how? you only say subhanallah 10 times and alhamdulillah 10 times and allahu akbar 10 times how is it 150? Three times more the reward, but five prayers in the day. You do it after each prayer. You do it after each prayer. So it becomes 150 then. 30 for each prayer. And that becomes 150,500. Or 1,500. Multiplied them by 10. Into the weighing scale. وَيُكَبِّرُ أَرْبَعٍ وَثَلَاثِينَ إِذَا أَخَذَ مَضْجِعَهُ And also, 34 times you say Allahu Akbar before you're going to go to sleep. وَيَحْمَدُ ثَلَاثًا وَثَلَاثِينَ وَيَسَبِّحُ ثَلَاثًا وَثَلَاثِينَ You say, Subhanallah 33, Alhamdulillah 33, Allahu Akbar 34. That's when you're going to bed. That's one of the supplications before going to sleep. We cover that in the supplications of going to sleep. فَذَلِكَ مِئَةٌ بِالْلِسَانِ So that's 100 supplications you make before going to sleep. وَأَلْفٌ فِي الْمِيزَانِ Multiply by 10, it's a thousand in your reward of the scale. فَلَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يَعَقِدُهَا بِيَدِهِ He said, I saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يَعَقِدُهَا بِيَدِهِ Meaning that he did those on his hand by closing up his hand. Subhanallah, 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 subhanallah. That's an aqd. You close your hand up. So he said, I saw the messenger doing it like that, closing his hand up and counting them. Qalu ya Rasulullah, kayfa huma yasirun wa man ya'malu bihima qaleerun. So they said, O Messenger of Allah, how is it that these things are so easy, but very few people do them? Like that there now. Just to say, subhanallah, subhanallah, so easy to say it. No effort needed, no nothing needed. Don't even have to memorize anything. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, who doesn't know that? It's not like you have to memorize a big dua. Everybody knows these things, everybody can read these things. So they said, how is that difficult? Or, or, or that is so easy, how is it that so few people do it? Qala yati ahadukum or ahadakum ash-shaytanu fi manameh the messenger said, the shaitan comes to one of you when you lie down and you want to go to sleep. Shaitan comes to you at that time and creates fatigue upon you. And so you fall asleep before you bother to say it. Maybe you think you're going to say it. And you have the intention perhaps. But when you lie down and you get comfortable... And you close your eyes, the shaitan comes and puts the fatigue upon you, and then you don't bother doing it, then you fall asleep. And as for after the prayer, when you finish your salam, and you think, okay, I've got to do this now, 33-33, after you give the salam, shaitan comes and whispers to you, but remember, you need to go here, you need to go there, you need to take care of this, you need to take care of that. And so you become preoccupied straight away, thinking about things, you get up and go. And you don't sit and do those remembrances. So shaitan causes the feeling of fatigue, wants you to fall asleep, get comfortable in the duvet, etc. And that's it. You don't do them, you fall asleep. 
And after the prayer, the shaitan comes, that's it. You finish the prayer, go now, you need to do this, you need to do that. What about this, what about that? You need to look at this message, you have to do all these things. So after the prayer, straight away you become preoccupied with other affairs, and you don't sit there to think to do these applications. That's what the messenger meant. They are so easy, but so few people do them. How many people you see them after the prayer, run away straight away? Prayer finishes, get up and go. They don't sit there at all to do the supplications or anything. وَيُسْتَحَبُّ also from the supplications that are recommended at the end of the prayer. يُسْتَحَبُّ لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَقْرَأَ أَدْبَارَ الصَّلَوَاتِ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ The surah. أَنْ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ All of it. أَنْ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ All of it. And that is in the hadith of Uqba ibn Amir radiyallahu anhu qal amarani rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an aqra al-mu'awwidhat dubara kulli salah that the messenger commanded me to recite those surahs qul huwa allahu ahad qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq and qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas at the end of each prayer also from the supplications is Ayatul Kursi at the end of each prayer. And that is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Umama. Radiallahu anhu, he said, the Messenger وسلم, said, Man qara'a ayatul kursi fi dubri kulli salatin maktubatin lam yamna'ahum min dukhul jannati illa an yamut. Whoever recites Ayatul Kursi at the end of each prayer, then nothing prevents him from entering paradise. Nothing is stopping him now except death. Just death to come. When death comes, he's in paradise. وَالْمُرَادُ بِقَوْلِهِ And the intention of that statement or what is meant by it is لَمْ يَكُنْ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ دُخُولِ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَّا الْمُوتِ Meaning there's nothing now between him and paradise except death. You have to obviously die. Uh, when he dies and goes on to the afterlife, then it is paradise for him. Ibn al-Qayyim said, بَلَغَنِي عَنْ شَيْخِنَا أَبِلْ عَبَّاسِ إِبْنِ تَيْمِيَّةِ قَدَّسَ اللَّهُ رُوحَةِ أَنَّهُ قَالْ مَا تَرَكْتُهَا عَقِيبَ كُلِّ صَلَةِ Ibn al-Qayyim said that I have, uh, it has been narrated to me or I have become aware that Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah said he never ever left these supplications out at the end of the prayer. He would always do them at the end of the prayer. Or in particular here, Ayatul Kursi. That he would always do that at the end of the prayer. And also, in the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiallahu anhu, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ took him by the hand one day and said to him, Ya Mu'adh, Wallahi inni la'uhibbak. O Mu'adh, by Allah I love you. Usika ya Mu'adh. I advise you, O Mu'adh. لَا تَدَعَنَّ فِي دُبُرِ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ أَن تَقُولُ Do not leave off at the end of the prayer from saying, don't miss out saying, اللهم أعني على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك. Oh Allah, aid me upon your remembrance and your thankfulness, your gratitude, and upon your uh, worship in the good manner, the good worship of you. وهذا الدعاء هل يقال قبل السلام بعد قولان لأهل العلم واختار شيخ الإسلام أن يقال قبل السلام This particular dua اللهم عني على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك Is that one supposed to be said before the last salam or after it? 
There's a difference of opinion on that. And Shaykhul Islam takes the opinion, you actually say that before the final salam. But many of the scholars, they mention it is after the final salam. There's a difference on that one. That is where we'll conclude today. That is the chapter regarding the du'as to be said after the prayer. And next week, inshallah ta'ala, we'll come to the chapter regarding the qunut. The qunut that is to be done in the witr prayer. And particularly that is important now coming up to Ramadan. Only a few weeks left. In fact, that reminds me then. We're not going to do that next week. Uh, The plan actually is that from next week we have maybe five Sundays left now before Ramadan from next week. Four or five Sundays left. So the plan actually is from next week we're going to do Kitab al-Sayyam from Bulugh al-Maram for just these five weeks up to Ramadan. Then after Ramadan back to this again. For these five weeks now I think there's five Sundays left. Those five Sundays, we're going to do, inshallah, Kitab al-Sayyam from Bulugh al-Maram, the chapter of fasting from Bulugh al-Maram. Uh, and it goes through the basic rulings of fasting, the basic fiqh of fasting. Some of you may have done that. We did it a few years ago as well. There's a workbook somewhere online. I don't know where, which markers, but there's a workbook somewhere that was made for these classes when I did it previously. Uh, Sheffield definitely has one somewhere I don't know where they are but on the website you'll find them somewhere you can print those off you can have those books the workbooks available all the hadith are in there and there's space for notes in there so get those prepared for the next five weeks four or five weeks we'll go through the chapter of fasting all the fiqh of fasting and the rulings on fasting and then after Ramadan back to this again inshallah ta'ala any questions up to there then? These du'as like this are primarily for the fard prayers. Because once you do these supplications after the fard prayer, then if you do sunnah prayers or nawafil prayers, it's not legislated in the same way to do these after those prayers as it is of the fard prayers. This is primarily in reference to the fard prayers. Like you saw in that narration, 30 and it becomes upon the tongue 150. If it was including all the nawafil and uh, supererogatory types of prayers, it would be much, much more than 150 then. If you multiply all the others as well. So primarily you can see these are speaking about the fard prayers. After your five daily prayers, all these adhkari do them. But it's not, uh, it's not something you do after every two raka'ahs that you pray. After every nafal you pray, after every sunnah you pray. It's not uh, specified in the same way like that for them. Another question unrelated to the lesson. Mm. Uh, so, if there's a brother who um, has some money invested when he was young by his grandfather in a bank, and um, it was a fund where the, the bank takes the ownership of investing it in stocks and then it keeps growing, but you're not sure of where they invest and what they do with it. So you don't involve it, and then after you grow up, many years later, you receive the amount of increased by 10 times, but you aren't sure of where it's, where it's invested. Are you allowed to use that amount, and if not, then what can you do with the money? As long as you're certain there is no interest within it, the banks didn't put any interest into that amount, being uncertain as to where they put it isn't necessarily a cause 
to abandon that wealth. Your uncertainty isn't necessarily a cause to, to stipulate or to say that this is haram wealth. Because if you don't know, you don't know. It's possible it was all halal. Sometimes the scholars may say you could maybe judge by looking at the bank and what they normally do. Maybe if you look at the history of the bank and their records, you find out 99% of their investments are in haram companies, alcohol companies and things like this. Then, overwhelmingly, you are pretty certain your wealth was all made in those haram companies, too more than likely, more than likely, then maybe. But if they have so many different places, this bank, you look at their history and their files, and they invest in all different types of companies here and there, then your wealth, you cannot say it is haram. You cannot say, well, I've seen there's a few companies here and there that are haram ones, but there's so many other legitimate ones, they do it in as well. So you don't know where yours was. So you cannot say your wealth is haram now. That wealth would be okay, inshallah ta'ala. You cannot judge upon it being haram with just a doubt. But if it's overwhelming, when you look at their records, 99% of their companies are haram companies they invest in, then you know your wealth is more than likely from that haram as well. But if it's a mixture, then you have no way of knowing, inshallah ta'ala, it's acceptable to take that wealth. As long as you're certain, no interest has been put into it as well. And what can we do with the wealth if we know it has interest? How can we dispose of it? Some of the scholars, they say you can dispose of interest wealth in public services. Give it to the Muslim country. Uh, they can build roads with it. They can make public uh, toilets with it. Public services. Some scholars say you can give that money there for public use. Mm. Sheikh Bin Baz has that fatwa. To read what La ilaha illallah? Time so that one, I don't remember the hadith. Uh, you have to check the exact hadith, I don't remember the narration for it. Mm. What else? Uh, you get some additions in some of the variations of the narration because it's reported in different hadith. So there may be a version of a hadith where that is reported. You just have to make sure the authenticity is good. So we just need to go check the reference of that version, see if the hadith is authentic. If it is, no problem, we can do it too. Mm. Uh, is it permissible to do the adhkar while you're walking? Um, so let's say someone gets up and does the adhkar while he's walking back home. Possible, but uh, the sunnah mentions doing them in your place after the prayer for the reward and the proper reward of it. If a person had something to do, you know, you're going to be late for work. You have to leave the mosque and start walking home now, otherwise you're going to be late. So you have no choice. You can do the adhkar as you walk along, and inshallah you get all the rewards still as well. But if a person has time, you have nowhere else to go, you have time, you should stay there, do them, then go. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll conclude on that. Inshallah we'll carry you next week then with Kitab al